Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. It's how you get aboard on this football Friday night. We'll get to NFL picks, guess the takes, a little hot stove check-in with the Phils, and, of course, our same game parlor over at FanDuel for Sunday's game, including props, a game in which we think could be a big game for A.J. Brown. Let's talk to a guy who knows a lot about A.J. Brown. I'm sure he had a lot of opinions on that trade when it went down what it could mean for the Titans, and what it has meant for a team that is in first place in the AFC South. Joining us right now, Buck Rising from 104.5 The Zone in Tennessee. He joins us right now on the guest line. How you doing, Buck? How we living, Joe? I appreciate you having me on tonight. Well, we're living pretty good at 10-1, and one, and I uh, appreciate yeah. you you hopping on here. Uh, Buck, let, let's talk about this game, but let, let's start with A.J. Brown. I mean, it really, these two teams have been connected in a way since draft night when the Titans sent A.J. Brown here first-round pick heading back to uh, Tennessee. What was your reaction when the trade went down in April? <laughs> oh, so many emotions, uh, Joe. I, it was We were shocked, uh, all of us, the beat reporters, sitting in the draft room that night of the first round, and we had a sense that there was some obvious you know, uh, discomfort between the two sides as far as the negotiations went. A.J. was publicly posturing, as uh, some of these star athletes are known to do, as a means of a strategy to kind of get their way one way or the other. And, and certainly that's been employed by several different players across the NFL successfully. But, yeah, we, we looked around and said, well, this is, uh, this is a pretty foolish move, no matter whether you think that you can't afford or don't want to pay $25 million a year for a wide receiver in a run-heavy offense. They are just decidedly not a better football team without him. And they're, you know, they've had a lot of bumps and bruises as far as their passing game goes along the way this season. Buck, so the trade goes down and the Titans move on for Brown. Now, did you think it was a matter of they didn't think he was worth the money he was asking? Or was there more to this? Because I mean, his production the first three years there, incredible. They won a lot of football games with him. He obviously wanted to stay, right? He didn't really want to leave. Why do you think ultimately they made the decision? And how much of it was, wow, the Eagles offered a first-round pick. we got to make the deal. Well, I certainly don't think he wanted to stay as, as much as that. Um, as you know, I'm not sure what his public comments have been to Philadelphia media as of late, but Certainly, it did not seem like he was much interested in staying towards the end of that negotiation. Now, um, we had reported that uh, he had come in pretty hot as far as his asking price, um, closer to $30 million a year, and it became an unreasonable situation in which they didn't hear from A.J. Brown's uh, party, uh, the CAA represented or the CAA agents representing A.J. Um, they had basically not had contact for a period of several weeks, and then AJ came back and requested a trade specifically, so they scrapped what they had and tried to figure it out. Um, I, I don't know how much further the organization would have been willing to go towards his asking price, but you got—I mean, you got to understand the history of this franchise as far as the wide receivers go, Joe. They've never had an AJ Brown. Like Derek Mason is the last 
wide receiver of any consequence to play for this franchise. It's it's Derek Mason, Drew Bennett, all the way back uh, during those uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George days, and then AJ Brown. It's really been a bit of a uh, a bit of a crapshoot at that position specifically. So, understandably, there was a lot of unrest both as far as football people who questioned the decision, and of course the fan base down here in Nashville uh, and across the state of Tennessee has not has not really been soothed much despite the Titans doing well and winning their division so so far. Yeah, well, and and they probably should. We'll see how this this season finishes. Buck, you mentioned the fan base. So what was that reaction? Because I I could just imagine here if the Eagles had a player, a young player of of A.J. Brown's caliber and traded him away over money or contract, they couldn't figure it out, uh, it would be an uproar here. Were people upset? Did did people kind of say, hey, let's let's trust this team because they're pretty good and they win a lot of games? Or what was the fan base reaction when it all went down? No, I mean, they do get a lot of benefit of the doubt, and rightfully so. They've uh, Under John Robinson, the GM here, and, and Mike Rabel, obviously, the head coach, they've had a tremendous amount of success, a success that, uh, frankly, they were a bit of a nowhere franchise prior to this administration taking over. And so they do earn a lot of benefit of the doubt, but not in this case. I mean, it was, it was anger in a variety of different ways, anger at the organization, anger at John Robinson. Mike Vrabel did not seem, I don't know if you've ever watched that press conference the night that he was traded, but Mike was visibly bothered by the whole situation, even though he refused to publicly acknowledge it. And he had gone on Rich Eisen's uh, show a couple of weeks prior, asked about A.J. Brown being on the trade block, and flatly said, not as long as I'm the head coach here, without roster control, which of course was a bit of a public embarrassment for Vrabel, who does not suffer many public embarrassments. So uh, anger at A.J. for forcing his way out, anger at the administration for not getting a deal done and, you know, just general discontentment with everything that's happened since because they they don't have a consistent functioning passing game. And the one thing that you could never question about the Tennessee Titans was that Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback here, and A.J. Brown's connection was always crisp. They had it down pat. Hell, A.J. came in here and won what single-handedly won them games like the 49ers on Thursday Night Football last year in a big spot that they needed to have it. So, yeah, uh, people are still pretty pissed. Buck Rise is joining us here uh, from down in, in Tennessee, who covers the uh, Tennessee Titans here. Buck, um, as the Titans come in, there, there's a healthy respect, I, I think, in Philadelphia for that franchise, for, for how good they are, and, and really for the team that Mike Vrabel puts out year after year. Tell us about him as a coach. We watch, we watch from afar, obviously, seen some big games over the years into playoff games. It just feels like he has that team play above their heads. Um, and I, maybe I'm wrong on their talent level, but th- there's a Mike Tomlin quality that I think about him where I always think his team might do better than people think. Uh, Tomlin is a, is a good comparison, I would say. And, and I think, you know, based on stylistically, I think he reminds me a lot of Pete Carroll in terms of the product that they put out on a regular basis. You're not, you're not overestimating the talent level here though. It's, it's been, a, it's been really sparse given the level of injury that they've had. They have the most money sitting on injured reserve in back-to-back seasons now because of the amount of injuries that they've suffered. And, and they've and Mike, I believe, calls the free agents that they uh, – well, I don't believe he said this to us in press conferences. The, pre- the free agents that he's able to pull off the couch or off other teams' practice squads and turn into functional NFL players later in their careers. He refers to them as stray cats at this point um and they've won a lot of games with a bunch of stray cats you look at the roster on any given week and even us who are around the team on a daily basis we we don't necessarily recognize some of the names that particularly on the defensive side of the ball that have started this year but uh they they have won seven games so far they have they are always 
hugely competitive outside of the Buffalo Bills game. And, and, you know, every once in a while, everybody has one of those where it's just you don't have it that night on in any phase. And they got thoroughly run through. I think it would look a bit different. Um, Buffalo obviously experiencing injuries at this point. But, you know, playing Kansas City at Kansas City on Sunday night football to overtime with Malik Willis, a third-round rookie quarterback who, who just frankly cannot cannot operate an NFL passing game at this stage in his developmental career. Mike finds ways, and that staff, to their credit, finds ways to put their team in a good position regardless of who the opponent is on a week-by-week basis. They just want to out-tough people. And, you know, it turns out when you make life uncomfortable for a team for a full 60 minutes, it gives you a chance to at least be in, if not win, the majority of the games that you play. Buck, let's talk about Derrick Henry, who has been one of, if not the best back, you know, for years now in the NFL, and just an enormous star across the league who does so many uh, amazing things when he gets into open space and he gets ahead of steam. But my question to you is: is is he still the same? Um, you know, we were we were combing through some of the numbers so far this year. Last three games have not been his best. He had a good run before that, I noticed, and you know that that Texans game about a month ago. You know, he just ran crazy. Them, he, he always destroys them. You kind of take that out, and it's you know, it's not his best this year. I think it's under four yards to carry. Other than that great game he had against the, the Texans, you've seen every snap, you've seen every run. Is he still the same, or is we starting to see a little bit of slippage from the great Derrick Henry? You know, we we had that conversation early on in the season, Joe, and and. Truly, it does not look like he's lost a step. He's never been overwhelmingly efficient because they have so many games where they just slam him into the line of scrimmage for, I mean, hell. Last year when he, before he broke his foot in Indianapolis, he was averaging 29 touches per game, which is a wildly unhealthy workload, uh, no matter how much of a superhuman uh, somebody like Derrick Henry is. The, the, The larger issue with the Tennessee Titans is that people don't fear their passing game. Everybody knows what they want to do and the difference between the last couple of seasons and now is, well, teams have found an answer to stop the run. The talent here is underwhelming. The offensive line has been a patchwork situation basically since the first play of the Buffalo game where Taylor Lewan, their stud left tackle, went down and was lost again for uh, for another season with an ACL injury, and they've had to shuffle the deck since then. It's, it's more of the failures around him as opposed to Derek. Derek is still capable of being a special player, um, and they do find ways to take advantage of some things, even when he's not having success as, as a runner. He had a 69-yard reception. He did fumble at the end of that, which we almost never see Derek do. It would, ultimately was recovered for a flukish touchdown in the end zone by rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks. But the, the concern here is not about Derek. In fact, Derek, for the usage rate, uh, continues to amaze us for what he's able to do on a week-in, week-out basis. We're talking to Buck Rising here about this Titans team and this matchup on Sunday. All right, Buck, how about the other side? Their defense. You know, we looked at some of the numbers today. It's pretty good, and it's been it's been seemingly getting better as the weeks have gone on. You know, pass defense, touchdowns allowed. We know how good they are against the run. Yet I, I look up and down the roster, and I'm like, how do they do this? You know, Jeffrey yep. Simmons, you know, is a pretty established now as a, as a star defensive lineman, but – how do they do it? Is this scheme? Are some of these players better than maybe uh, the names on the back of the jerseys would have the average fan believe? Well, I certainly don't want to discredit the players because it's incumbent upon them. I mean, there was a game this year where they were down seven defensive starters still went out and, and played at a very, very high level. So certainly I don't want to take away from the execution standpoint of it. But, you know, Shane Bowen, the defensive coordinator here, was very much dragged through the dirt in 2020. They had a historically bad third down defense and 
the personnel was largely the issue, but, you know, sometimes people are short-sighted and they don't necessarily see those things. Since then, I think that Shane and Mike and that defensive coaching staff, Jim Schwartz, as a member of the coaching staff, who I know you guys are familiar with in Philadelphia, they have done a spectacular job to make this thing work on a regular basis. And it really comes from the ability to get pressure with four. Jeff Simmons, as you mentioned, is a bona fide superstar in the NFL. Danico Autry, who has missed uh, this past game and will miss the Philadelphia game, is probably the most important cog that helps that four-man pressure go. But Dupree, they, they haven't really had him out there. Both of the seasons that he's been on the roster, Harold Landry's been their best pass rusher. He's been done for the year since the week before their season opener at, at home against the New York Giants. It is a, it's a testament to the coaching staff, I do think, and, and to, to the players as well as far as the execution. But they go in, as I mentioned, on offense. They go in with a game plan um, every week, and they find ways to execute it. But the flexibility that that four-man rush gives them um, allows them to do a lot more, get a little – get a little more creative on third down when they've put uh, when they've gotten an offense behind the sticks. Now, Joe Burrow played them very, very well. He got the ball out on average 2.3 seconds. He was hitting his second step and just letting it go because they were not going to let him get mugged the way that he did in a playoff game here in January where he was sacked nine times. But that defense does have the ability to do that at any given moment, um, even against an offense like Philadelphia that is, uh, that is so successful running the football. We're talking to Buck Rising, midday show host, 104.5 The Zone, down in Tennessee about this game on Sunday here. All right, Buck, I always ask when we uh, we bring hosts on from other cities uh, before an Eagles game, their perception of the Eagles, as uh, as you guys have talked about them all week. So 10-1, and, and and we're having these kind of debates here, Buck, this week about are they good or great? How good are they? Should we be, should we be worried about the things we're nitpicking? Special teams, obviously, it's it, living a charmed life. It's a ten and one football team. But what's your perception of how good the Eagles are and how good the the team the t- Titans are playing on Sunday? Well, they certainly project. I would say that Kansas City is probably a more complete offense um, on the whole, and obviously, the quarterback being so superior to just about anybody in the league elevates them a great deal. But Philadelphia is right there, obviously. I mean, they are exceptional. They have an incredibly talented collection of skill position players, even with uh, out Goddard in the lineup. Um, the quarterback is playing very, very well within the system. The coaching staff obviously puts him in positions to maximize the talent that he has. The offensive line, I would argue, is the best in football. I'm sure you guys are very much aware of that. It's reminiscent of the group that you had in the uh, in the Super Bowl run a couple of years ago. And and the defense, uh, the defense, the secondary is intriguing to me. The things that they've done to fortify their front with Indomitian Sue um, and uh, the uh, the other nose tackle whose name escapes me that they recently brought Lynn in. Linval Joseph. Um, Linval Joseph to supplant Jordan Davis, who uh, last I checked, Joe, has not been ruled out necessarily for the Titans game. He hasn't, um, no. So he uh, they they opened up the window to practice off the IR, and he was practicing this hmm. week. So there seems some optimism there, but they didn't officially say anything yet. So I guess we'll find out Sunday morning on that one. Either way, they have a lot of answers to the test on the offensive side of the, fo- side of the football. And frankly, they don't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over at a high rate. They're not heavily penalized. It's a, it's a really, really fun watch going back and reviewing some of their games over the course of last week because obviously uh, a non-conference opponent, you don't see a ton of the Eagles uh, covering the Tennessee Titans. But this, this should be a really fun matchup. 
from both a, a storyline standpoint and certainly the schematics of it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Buck, we'll end with this last one. Uh, Jalen Hurts, what was your perception of him when he entered the league, and what's your perception now? Because I, I, I think a good case could be made. It's it's as remarkable of a uh, an improvement from a quarterback early in his career. I mean, obviously, there's the Josh Allen one, but – uh, you even go back to college, right? What he was projected to be second round pick. It's as big of a, a leap as we've seen in the NFL in a long time from a quarterback. But what was your perception then and now of Hertz? Then a, a grinder always. And, and uh, having covered the SEC a great deal down here in, uh, in, uh, in Nashville, we were very familiar with Jalen Hurts, the person, the player, um, always respected him, but obviously saw some limitations uh, as did NFL scouting staffs with his game. Since then, you know, I think it's it's a tribute to the work ethic of the player, certainly the coaching staff. It's reminiscent, oddly enough, and these guys will probably forever have their careers tied to each other, but what Tua Tungavaloa is doing in Miami with Mike McDaniel, they have found, it seems, a fantastic marriage between coach, scheme, and player, and have found ways to really bring out the best of it. Because I'm sure the discussion was had in Philadelphia, Joe, this offseason about, okay, they have done literally all they could do to support this player. Now is the time to find out whether he can – operate a high level and obviously that has paid dividends in a fantastic way so certainly fun to watch an incredible story uh and a tribute to everybody who's done such a great job there this season great stuff buck really appreciate hopping on uh we appreciate it enjoy the game this weekend and uh maybe we'll catch up again soon one day down the line buck rising 104.5 the zone in tennessee thank you buck of course first game at the lake boys i'm looking forward to it i hear it gets a little rowdy oh it will be enjoy your time here thank you take care there he goes. Buck Rising from down in Tennessee covers the Titans midday on 104.5 The Zone. Yeah, I would say it gets a little rowdy uh, at the link. It should be on Sunday for a, uh, a 1 o'clock game. I'm excited for it. And we, um, we, we that is interesting here in the back and forth there from his perspective, and, and I, I trust his opinion on it. He, he seemed – my perception, the way he spoke about it was like A.J. had a, was a big part of the reason why he's not a Titan anymore. Like the way, kind of the way it was portrayed to us was AJ was the victim. And now, I mean, this is contract stuff that happens with every team and every sport, but AJ seemed upset when, you know, when the whole thing went down. According to, to Buck Rising there, his agents never responded after asking for $30 million a year. I probably would have traded him too. I also wonder, given the state of that offense and the state of the quarterback play, did he really want to be there long term? Well, especially when he knew his best friend was in the year of the GM here, and they needed a wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, the Eagles obviously aren't throwing the ball as much as some other teams, but, I mean, that offense is Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry only. Yeah, I mean, look, we joked about Hurts kind of – what was the Instagram thing? Remember he like was on Instagram, Hurts, commenting on uh, on A.J. Brown's uh, posts about all the issues he had in Tennessee? Like, we joked about that, but – I mean, we've seen this happen in sports. Players orchestrate stuff all the time, especially star players. Like, and and how we at one point did mention that Jalen was in his ear. Now, how much sway did Jalen Hurts have in April to make a trade for AJ Brown? I don't know, but he was in his ear, so maybe there was something. Who's to a that. better GM, Jalen Hurts or Bryce Harper? So, do, or is Hurts one for one, or do we have to give him like um, Grant Calcaterra and Kennedy Brooks? Does he get all of the the people that have these uh, connection to him? Does or he also get Landon Dickerson? Right, or or does he just get A.J. Brown? I think A.J. or Devontae Smith, that's another guy, right? He said that was his favorite wide receiver mm. in that draft class. I would put him two for two, and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. 
So, so we're saying on volume, he's the better GM than Bryce. Now, Bryce is, you know, obviously, you know, you talk about getting a guy like uh, JT resigned. That worked out for the Phillies, but also a lot of relief pitchers over the years. He's kind Brandon of, Kinsler. Yeah, Remember Brandon Kinsler? He's targeted some of those guys. Um, Trey Turner would be a big Bryce Harper GM signing. If if Bryce, you know, let's not forget that as we discuss all the shortstops here, for, potentially for the Phillies, like their assistant GM is obviously in Camp Turner. That we know. Um, that, but he was also in camp Chris Bryan, and that didn't work out. Was he overruled on that one? I mean, smartly so. Chris <laughs> Bryant didn't do anything in Colorado. Thankfully, Chris Bryant was horrendous this past season in Colorado. We have some breaking news here uh, in the Major League Baseball front. We, we thought the hot stove could get heated up here a little bit early. And in 2019, the last time they actually had the winter meetings, it was a crazy spending spree. Um, that year. Now, the last couple of years have been different, pandemic, and then last year they didn't do it because of the lockout. And the Phillies, we know, are meeting with all the shortstops and maybe even a couple of them before this winter meeting even starts. But I would say we have the best talent off the board. We, we have the most dominant player off the board. And I'm not talking about Aaron Judge. I'm talking about Jacob DeGrom. Now, DeGrom, we know, has, a, has had a million injury issues and it's limited how often he's been on the field. But there's been no pitcher in baseball Per inning, I would say over the last five years, as good as Jacob DeGrom. For, for as great as Aaron Judge has been, he, he hasn't done this over multiple years. He's had one, like, nonsensical, crazy season. DeGrom has been, per inning, the best pitcher in baseball for the last five years, and he's out of New York. This is great news for the Phillies. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is no longer a New York Met. According to Jeff Passan of ESPN, Jacob DeGrom has signed a five-year $185 million deal with the Texas Rangers. Physical is passed. Deal is done. and includes a sixth-year option that would take a total deal to $222 million and a full no-trade clause. Five one eighty-five for Jacob deGrom to go to the Texas Rangers. What is that, 37 a year? I was just doing the math in my head. That's 37. How much would he have gotten if he actually pitched? Like, he got 5-185, and he pitched, I mean, how many innings this season? 50? Yeah, he didn't come back until after the trade deadline. Like, I, I mean, clearly per year, he didn't it's not he didn't set the record. I mean, Scherzer saw as a record per year at over $40 million per year for a pitcher. And so he— he There were 64 innings this year. I mean, he took a, he took a hit because— um, maybe he wanted security. I'm, I'm sure some teams had a, a higher annual— annual average value for him, but less years. Seemed like he took a hit for some security here. Like, he could have made 45 a year, probably from the Mets for a couple years, but he wanted the five-year deal, 5185. He's getting paid now through his age 39 season. I mean, this would be a risky contract even if he didn't have all the in- injuries, right? A 34, 35-year-old for five years? Yeah, he has 150 innings combined between the last two seasons. His last full season pitching in the majors was when he was 31. He's going to start this season at the age of 35. That's worrisome. Sure. I mean, it is. But, man, he's good. I mean, it's just – there's no – the last two seasons, he has a 14-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. 14-to-1. This year was 14.3-to-1-1, and last year it was 14-3-to-1-1. So, actually, the last two years, it's 12.7 and 13.2 is strikeout-to-walk ratio. I mean, it's historic stuff. I mean, Jacob deGrom is historically good. I mean, the guy might make the Hall of Fame with less than 150 career wins. and He might have a Sandy Koufax kind of kind of uh, ability to make the Hall of Fame. But, wow, 
DeGrom out of New York, DeGrom off the Mets. That's amazing because their owner, Steve Cohen, is the richest owner in baseball, and he was a fan before he took over the team. Like, he's not just some, like, money guy. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time that Steve Cohen has been outspent, right? And his reputation up until, I don't know, 20 minutes ago was any player that he wants and he wants to keep, he'll spend to keep him there. Which tells me they weren't outbid. They backed away. It tells me that they, I mean, obviously they know more about Jacob DeGrom's medical situation than anybody else. I can see where they would be a little leery about that. Yeah, it feels to me like they had a limit of years and he got more and they said, all right, go for it. I mean, we're not going to match that deal. DeGrom off the Mets to the Texas Rangers as the MLB hot stove is officially, officially heated up. 215-592-9494. Tell you how poor we'll come back. More on the hot stove, Philly's hot stove, um, including a name out there connected to the Phillies I didn't expect to be connected to them. We'll get to that coming up. Your phone calls. And you know what we haven't touched on? Zach Eflin signed. I, I was able to rack to that last night. Zach Eflin signed with the Tampa Bay Rays. A crazy fact on the Rays contract to Eflin. We'll come back with that. NFL picks, guess the takes, and our favorite props for the Eagles and the Titans. I've got a same-game parlay all lined up for Sunday. It's next on Sports Radio 94 WIP. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is I'm always finding new player or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook in partnership with Valley Forge Casino is you can combine these props with other bets in the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday's game. Look, Sunday, I got to go over the receiving yardage total for A.J. Brown. I have to go over the team total for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I will take the Eagles to cover the number against the Titans on Sunday. Look, FanDuel's easy to use, easy to register, easy to deposit. And the same game probably is just one of the many reasons I bet with FanDuel and it has fast withdrawals. When you win, FanDuel pays your winnings fast. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94 WIP. So no, no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet. Lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're new to FanDuel, sign up today. Promo code Gilio for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code G-I-G-L-I-O. I really like the FanDuel. I'll make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.